1: Hello and welcome back to an all-new episode of Surf Splendor. I am your host, David Scales, bringing you an episode of Surf News for January 11th, 2017. It's actually our first show of 2017, so Happy New Year. Uh, Huge news—well, I don't know, huge, but news broke today just after Scott and I got finished recording our conversation and uh, that is that Paul Speaker of the WSL, the the CEO for the WSL, is actually stepping down from his position. The WSL is owned by a company called Zozi, and Z Zo-Z is owned by a guy named Dirk Zift. So he's the money behind uh, the purchase of the WSL and all the reformation and changes that they've had in the recent years. So Dirk Ziff is going to actually operate as the interim CEO until they hire somebody. I guess they're currently looking, but, um, Paul Speaker does have shared ownership in the WSL. So he's going to retain that ownership, um, percentage. I'm not sure. I have no idea how that, what the, what the agreement is, but he's going to retain his ownership position. He will just be stepping down as CEO. So that's the fresh news. I have a link to the WSL's. Um, press release that they just sent out today it's on surfsplendorpodcast.com it's where you can also find all past episodes of this show completely archive archived for completely free and you can also leave a comment about today's show on today's show page there's a comment section so check that out i'll also post all the videos that we discussed in this show and um, links to the articles imagery all that sort of stuff So check that out. And then you can follow us on social media at Surf Splendor. So without further ado, I will pitch to my conversation with Scott Bass. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. And then I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thank you.
2: Run down and lied to... Welcome, everybody, Down the Line Surf Talk podcast. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales, on this January 11th, 2017. David, welcome.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Glad to be here at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Surfingheritage.org is where we record the show. The Smithsonian of Surfing?
2: This is correct. The Smithsonian of Surfing. We sit in the library now, surrounded by... uh, Lots and lots of history, books, magazines, newspapers, videos, posters.
1: It's all here. I feel like my surf IQ is raised just by sitting in this room, Scott. Why, yes, it is. Um, this is our first show of 2017. Wow. Welcome. Welcome into the new year, Scott. Yes. You know, I meant to ask you last time. I think we recorded on December 30th or was our last show. When, um, do you do New Year's
2: resolutions? <laughs> I kind of do, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Can um, you discuss them openly? I can, yes, I can, <laughs> I can discuss them openly. Other yeah. than other than your resolution to not burn fellow surfers? Right. Yeah? Right, not cut off hipster gram icon. Right. Um, my New Year's resolution is kind of boring because it's sort of that standard one, but I'm trying to get into better shape. Yeah, that is pretty boring. Actually. Yeah. It, uh, you know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, yeah, that's everybody's, you know, um but I am I am you know trying to do some stuff I got my little TRx bands oh you did I've, I had them for a while but it, I've kind of dusted them off
1: okay good yeah because I hate when whatever the new resolution is requires a new purchase as well right. and there's fifteen other purchases in the garage that haven't been used yet right. so I'm glad to hear you're dusting it off rather than you know adding to the pile
2: yeah I actually got on like a cheesy beach cruiser that was in my side yard and Rode it up some hills and started to get some cardio going. And then wow. I dusted off the TRX straps wow. and got into the TRX workout. And um, I've got a little pouch, you know, a little paunch, a little like I got that three-month pregnancy look on. And I just need to clean that up and get the cardio going and strengthen the core and do all the things that we should all do. It's embarrassing to try to go into... A workout facility or a gym in January, you know, because you just have that deer in the headlights like they're like, here he comes. Let's sign him up for five years. Yeah. (laughs) So instead, I'm kind of trying to do it on my own. Good. Yeah. Well,
1: I maybe shouldn't be admitting this or bragging about it, but I've literally never stepped foot in a gym in my life. Right. Like I've never actually been in one. And at this point. Now it's just a record that I don't want to break. You know what I mean? It's like I've gone 35 years. I can't – even though I'd like to get more fit, I just – I can't go in a gym now. Uh, I've been in yoga studios. I've been in kind of gym-adjacent facilities but never to a proper gym. But like you and I both, we kind of have a similar physique and I think good genetics where we're not really ever going to get super overweight and we're pretty active anyways. So the difference between – um, being out of shape and being in shape for you and I isn't that huge. I think subtle adjustments will get you right back on track.
2: Yeah. Right. We're, we've got a pretty good foundation and you know for you just lifting that chop hop hairdo of yours is going to help like your strengthen your neck and stuff like it that. It has right. really. I, I feel trapezes. You know,
1: exactly. Trapezias. Yeah well that's what I was going for actually. <laughs> right. The chop hop um, today has been unwashed and uncombed even. I brought it like out of its raw element for
2: you. It's straight it's out of its the bed. most. It's it's chopping and hopping like never All before. All <laughs> at once.
1: I'm going for the full three sixty chop hop, not just the one eighty like reverse and then you spin back around. It's a wonderful hairdo. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Yes. Uh you hyped up on oolong right now?
2: Uh no. I I didn't have any tea this morning, actually. I yeah, rushed coffee? out of the house, had one cup of coffee.
1: Okay, good. All you right. can have tea later. Uh I like how your Instagram feed, at boardroom show, by the way. Yeah. It's like um I don't know. It's like a food blog now more than it is a surf related. You got to change the name. Uh, I've seen you cooking steaks on there. I've seen you brewing loose leaf.
2: Yeah. There's this tea that's called um, milk reserve oolong. I saw that. You saw that right from the tea gallery. You can only get it from the tea gallery in San Diego. Okay. I've got to bring some in for you because it's mind-blowingly buttery and smooth and and we're talking about tea here, right? I understand we're talking about tea here, but as far as tea goes, this is a totally like different level of flavor, and you're going to be blown away and stoked.
1: Well, I saw it, and I saw that you mentioned loving it, and uh, yeah, I was intrigued. I wanted to ask you actually to get some for me. Um, why is it called
2: milk? I don't know exactly why, but there's – I don't know. But it's not but,
1: like there's milk involved no, in the making of no, it or something.
2: No, no, like, no. Got it. Um, but you can get it from the tea gallery, you know. Like if you go to Google Tea Gallery San Diego, you can. We just bought ours online and had it shipped to us. So are they our sponsor for this show? I no, feel like
1: you've mentioned their name multiple times. The tea here. Gallery, no, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> they should be. The tea is expensive. Yeah, uh,
1: my last cup was uh, five year aged pu'er tea.
2: Wow, have you had that? Yeah, well, um, I think actually the milk reserve. No, the other one that I like is a pu'er, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've had pu'er but aged five-year age no i have not had a five-year age pu'er. i would love to educate you about it but i don't even know
1: what the benefits are or what the process is but it's loose leaf and it's real dried out
2: looking like almost looks like a clove more than a tea leaf hmm. um, here's the thing i can tell you is that all tea leaves are the same a tea leaf is a tea leaf is a tea leaf and what makes the tea leaves different is the amount of time that they're cracked and cured in the sun mm. so a white tea a white tea leaf isn't cracked or cured in the sun at all it's picked and it's dried and mm. that's it and then as you go up in darkness and tea leaves like if say an earl gray black tea leaf has been cracked and put in the sun and then during that process it oxy oxi- the oxi- oxidation oxidizes. oxidizes thank you and that's what creates the deeper darker teas and the more caffeinated teas okay so an oolong has just a little bit of time in the sun a pu'er has a little bit more than an oolong then you've got the deep darker teas the black Hmm. teas interesting but a tea leaf is a tea leaf is a tea leaf and the other fascinating fact perhaps fascinating perhaps boring is that the tea bush and or tree has as much to do the the People, You might ask, why don't we grow tea here in the North American continent? And you can, but the really good teas have this really incredible root system that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So those civilizations like in China and in other parts of East Asia that are known for teas, it's because their tea bushes and trees have been around forever. And so their root system is just incredible. And you need at least 100 years to get... A good tea bush system going. So you can see why here we wouldn't cultivate our land in hopes of a 100 year harvest.
1: Yeah, it's same thing with wine. You know, it's like the deeper the roots or the more intricate the roots, the more variety of soil type and nuance it's in contact with. So it's pulling all these interesting new, uh, I don't know, characteristics nutrients. out of the soil, nutrients. Yeah. And then there's also an element of just harmony. Like the longer the plant's been in the earth, the more harmony it has with the earth. You wow. Know, yeah. So the, the French would call it terroir. I sense I a seance coming up. Dude, we just did nine minutes on tea. Oh, shit. We are so sorry. <laughs> we'll cut this part of the show out. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, dude, so we have to, though, because surf the surf's been so crap. It has
2: been bad. We, I mean, it's been small, right? Yeah. Um, well, small and it's rainy now. Small and rainy, and there. are is a little bit of hope here coming up for Southern California. Dude, I, I know we have hope. a lot of listeners outside the Southern California course, area yeah. and so they're going, oh God, last thing I need is a SoCal surf report from Bass. but
1: Yeah, lamenting the, the woes of Southern the California. The
2: North Pacific, the jet stream, right, as I mentioned before, the jet stream, 30,000 f- le- foot level winds which steer and help Produce the surface level storms, low pressures that create storms and gales, which create wind. Anyway, the jet stream is kind of in a in a good space right now for the, at least the next week, where it's flowing along. It's not split. The jet stream isn't split. It's one solid jet across the Pacific, which is really good for uh, the formation of surface level storms, therefore creating wind and surf for us eventually.
1: Okay. Well, yes. Let's hope this rain. It's boring, man. We've talked
2: tea, we've talked boring, meteorology. Wah, wah.
1: Um, Well... We, were, we mentioned on this last show, I proposed the idea of surfing together on New Year's morning.
2: Yeah. Where were you, bro? Yeah.
1: I know. Seriously. I blew it. For listeners, we did not surf together. We still never have. And
2: were you hungover? Or what's the deal? Because I was out there. I texted you. I showed up. Yeah. You were hung. <laughs> I don't you want to call super. it over. Right. I but, will. You were hungover. You woke up at 930. I had already dried off and had texted you like 10 times going, where the hell are you? Dude, I went to bed at 330. And then yeah, I
1: did wake up around nine nine thirty. I will say just to start off, I stand by every decision that I made during that twenty four hour period. <laughs> I made good decisions, and I'm very happy with them. And yeah, we didn't get to surf together, but the waves were crappy, anyways, right?
2: Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. it wasn't very good. Yeah, it so was, you're glad you didn't go out. Exactly. Yeah. So.
1: I The night before, I kind of got an assessment on it, and I'm like, you know what? If I'm up, I'm up. If not, I'm not going to push it. And when I woke up at 9, 930, I saw your text. I actually texted you back, and I you replied right away. So I knew that it wasn't good because you were already out of the water. But, um, but I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry for listeners that we hyped that up and – we have no stories to tell.
2: Although I do have some stories from that night. Just- I surf like crap, I can tell you that. Oh, really? I was cold, the waves were small, and things were not going good. Man, I wish. That was I- one of the sessions that made me go, I got to get in shape. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I have felt out of shape as well,
1: and I just ride a longboard instead. And that cures a lot of that uh, ego.
2: Well, that's what I've been riding. I've been riding the 11-foot Andrini. I've been surfing just one to two feet of surf small little peelers at various reefs around the North County and um, just trying to stay in shape you know if if nothing else it keeps me moving keeps the cardio going which is one of my goals mm-hmm.
1: getting in the cold water too I think has some therapeutic benefits you know like this past weekend I surfed it was actually super clean conditions it was one and a half feet maybe um, so I just longboarded but it was beautiful out and again the cold water just kind of shocks your system into shape and um, yeah. So I felt good about it, even though the waves are crappy. Uh, Scott. Yes. Would you like to lead off surf news today, or would you like me to? Uh...
2: I've got some surf news, which is, is, I don't know how great of news it is, but I want to tell the listeners about it. I want to hear Bird that. Huffman. Yeah. You know Bird Huffman from Bird's Surf Shed? I do. He is leading an attempt to set a world record. The Guinness Book of World Records, Most People on One Wave. We tried this last year, yep, and we failed, but we gave it a good effort, and we're doing it again this year. It's called the One Wave Challenge, and Bird is the guy that's in charge of herding all the cats and getting it all together and making sure all the Guinness Book people are there and that the protocols are followed so that we can, in fact, set a world record.
1: You have to pay the Guinness people to fly out to record it,
2: right? The whole thing's quite an ordeal, yeah, and... um And so this thing takes place on January 21st, which is 10 days from today. It's at La Jolla Shores in San Diego. And Bird has asked me and you to sort of help. um, Basically, Bird needs some support. He needs some logistics people. Because not only do you need 200 and something people in the water all riding the same wave at the same time for at least five seconds, which is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. You also need people on the beach sort of well counting those people to make sure they're all up at the same time and basically yeah herding the cats into the into the right place and getting on the bullhorn and getting everyone it's a logistic nightmare and and we need help and so if you want to help us out and you live in San Diego County and you're listening to the podcast we want your help you get you're going to get breakfast and coffee and there'll be music it's a fun fun event it's all part of raising money for local charities in San Diego through the Century Club, which is associated with the Farmer's Insurance Golf Tournament. So this whole thing ties into the Century Club and local charities in San Diego. Um, So anyway, I guess if if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I'd like to help out in the Guinness Book of World Records, most surfers on one wave um, show up at Bird Surf Shed on Wednesday the 18th. At 6 p.m., that's where the volunteers will have a meeting with Bird about what to do and how to do it. And then the following Saturday morning at La Jolla Shores, be there at 7 in the morning. The whole thing will only take about two and a half hours. It'll be over by 10 or 11.
1: Okay. What Do you know what the exact number of people is? What's the record?
2: I don't. We should probably be able to
1: Google it. I just did. Yeah. I mean, it's a Surfline article referencing what you just talked about. Um, the first record was 110 people in Cape Town, South Africa. I think that's
2: the record that stands. But I didn't believe. we do
1: this in Huntington Beach recently?
2: Well, that was most people on one board. Oh. Right?
1: Oh, this is
2: everybody's on their own board okay. riding a wave. Oh, that
1: is difficult.
2: Yeah. This is Huntington, really-
1: okay, so the Huntington Beach one is what I thought you were talking about this whole time. I thought you were trying to beat that record. Oh, no, no. Okay, got it. So yeah, in South Africa, six years ago, 110 people rode a single wave to shore. So you got to get
2: 111, um, and it took 18 attempts on that particular day. 18? See, see, after, after about from my, my experience last year doing this, people get tired. First of all, you get you need people that know what they're doing. Yeah, and even if you get 190 people that know what they're doing, then you got to get them all on the same page. I think last year we had some beginners and some newbies that just thought, oh, it would be cool to go out and check it out, and they signed up for it, and it was like. You know, yeah. you've got to be more than a capable surfer just to catch, go 19 or 20 attempts and stay on the same wave with the person right next to you oh, yeah. for five seconds. Yeah. And yeah, so. Because
1: 120 people covers a lot of uh Distance, ground, yeah, yeah, a lot of distance. Width of the. It's going to say ground, but it covers a lot of water. Well, it's interesting
2: you say that because you kind of need a ground swell. You can't yeah. have wind swell. It needs to be a long line of white water that breaks, and everyone Dude. catches the same white water and stands up. And you know what? We may pull this off. We may not. We are anticipating doing it, and um, but we're going to try no yeah. matter what. And so, if you can be at Birds on Wednesday night at six p.m., that's the 18th, um, and then you know Bert will tell us what we need to do to, to help support this again this isn't to be one of the surfers this is to be part of the support staff got it that's really what we need i think they've signed up all the surfers already i'm not even sure about that but
1: well i rode that river bore the tidal bore in bordeaux france yeah. last year and it was kind of a similar scenario that you're talking about where there were some beginners you know it's literally it's one wave and you just like you got to Paddle out in the river and you all catch the wave together, and it goes for a long distance. But the beginners on the wave are really just taking up space. It's like, dude, get out of here! Because if you get in my dude, way, dude, get out of here. Pretty much, this is back to our. <laughs>
2: dude, concept. get out of here! Like, you're not allowed to have the same amount of fun as I am. No, not.
1: no, you're going to ruin that's my fun because you're going to wipe out. But isn't like, not elitist. No, because I'm not going to ruin your fun. I'm not going to get in your How way. Do you
2: know, you're not ruining. You're ruining my fun by saying, "Dude, get out of here."
1: I, I know, I'm just kidding, right. but. But it was. It was like the beginners were actually a detriment to the overall group, you know? Um, But whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Yeah, I didn't know that was happening. Um, Yeah, but so I guess you do have to fly the Guinness uh, judges out because could you imagine if Guinness financed – Every Yahoo who like wanted to set a world record for like the world's largest potato in Idaho, you know, and then the Guinness guys fly out from England and they're like, nope, this is the 15th largest that we've ever measured. So we're flying back home on our own dime. (laughs) Like that would be expensive to do. So they need – they have the people who are hosting the event actually pay for the Guinness judges to go out and do the judging so that they're not left holding the bag. right? Um, So – Do you want to hear about Gabriel Medina's Surf Institute? Yes, I do. Did you know about this? No. Okay. Brazil's first surf-specific learning institution. Surf-specific learning institution. Okay. Yes, sir. The modestly named Gabriel Medina (laughs) Institute (laughs) will be built uh, in Mauritius. Is that how it's pronounced? Uh, Mauritius? Mauritius. Not Mauritius. That's an island off yeah. Madagascar. Oh, this is Mauritius, in Mauritius, it's in Brazil, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the wave-rich, far-east suburb of Sao Paulo that Gabriel calls home. And it will welcome 38 Brazilian teen surfers between the ages of 10 and 16 who were selected based on their performance at the Mauritius uh, Surf Association 2016 Medina Circuit. Students will be coached by Gabriel and Gabriel's stepfather, Charlie, Simone Medina is Gabriel's mother, and will also uh, she'll also preside. <laughs> what does over- Simone Medina to do? What does she do? She coaches. Well, she's going to preside over the institute, so she's probably she running the show.
2: She's the cook. Well,
1: that's sexist of you, Scott. But um. <laughs> okay. I mean,
2: what well, you know. Well, wait, okay, so she oversees. Do- she oversees <laughs> the lodging, the who knows? logistics, yeah. the the return, the airfare, like the pick up, the transfer from the airport. She who knows. She, it doesn't say what she does. She just presides runs over she presides over the She presides. She's the maternal.
1: I think they give her a scepter and she just want, waves it over and right. tells people what to do. <laughs> tells people where to go. Um, <laughs> among the surfers who made the cut, yes. Gabriel Medina's sister, Sophia Medina. I didn't even know that there was a Sophia Medina. So that
2: sounds a little like nepotism. A little bit. She just made the cut in her last, and it just happens to be her sister.
1: Right. Well, it's also a tax write-off. Well, of
2: course it is. This whole thing kind of reeks of a tax write-off. It's like
1: a three million dollar Brazilian dollar investment um, that you know you can in it would funds that you'd normally pay taxes with. You can obviously uh, you can
2: set up an institute for higher learning and surf exactly. So. But Let them do it. Who cares? No, I'm not
1: against it at all. I It brought up for me a bigger question, which is something that I've thought about often over the years as we've seen surf coaches become more and more prominent, is just how coachable is surfing?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny because we were talking last time about Jordy, Julian, and Kolohe as the three guys that if they're going to win a world title, they need to step up and do it. They're five, six, seven, eight, nine years into their... This is like, it's now's the time. You know, it's like... You know Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl you know it's eight years into his career you know like the, you know what I'm saying right this is the time so then you say to yourself well let's get them a good coach you know and so what does that mean right because at that level they are doing everything on the wave that they need to do mm-hmm. and I believe that a good coach it's like for golf like a golf coach can't play better golf than mm-hmm. the guy that's hitting the ball but he can see when the guy's going awry, awry a little bit so I think it certain levels at the highest level it's a mental thing like the way belly was with Kelly Slater he was just somebody that Kelly could turn to and go dude and basically a really good coach can call you on your bullshit and go hey you are blowing it and I don't care if you fire me for saying it because I don't have any skin in the game you're screwing up I care more about you winning a world title than my paycheck and that's the sign of a good coach or a good caddy or somebody that can go you're blowing it right now and this is what you need to do mentally can I get you in shape mentally this is what you need to do And so on this level, Gabe Gabe Medina's institute level, there's probably a lot of competitive stuff that Charlie perhaps can tell you to do, like don't be impatient, time the sets. Look, watch the heats beforehand. See where the guys that are getting good scores, which bank or which reef or which part of the wave they're surfing. Is that happening in the last three heats, building up to your heat? If so, we want to work on mimicking what their success is. Let's do what right. they're doing. There's a lot of things, and a lot of that is mental stuff. It's like, hey, dude, when you put on the jersey and you paddle out, don't forget what I just told you. Right. You know, you have to main – You ha- we saw that with Kanoa, right, at Pipeline. Yep. That heat where he beat Kelly Slater, he was patient. He just stuck 55 to his game. Five seconds left. That's from years and years and years and years. That kid's been surfing competitively, and yep. it's second nature to him now. You know, yep. and I, that's why I can see him going a long distance. That heat. And we talked about this last time, but I will say that he taught you and I a lot yeah. about that guy's competitive maturity. Yep. You know, And then you get guys like, I'll bring up, for instance, Taylor Knox is a classic example. You know, He was on tour for 20 years. He had no competitive maturity. He's like, oh, good wave. I don't care. I just want to get tubed on this wave. I don't care if I, it's not the smart thing to do. Yeah. And I'm being, I'm, I'm being a bit bombastic and exaggerating in, in that example. But I'm not the only one that would say that Taylor no, Knox was not nick- competitively mature. His nickname on tour was Bonehead. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, all right. Cuz he well, made
1: bonehead mistakes repeatedly, the best surfer on tour that just wasn't winning heats. Yeah. So, so I agree with you. So, let's break down yeah. further the discussion that you brought up last time. Those three guys, Julian Wilson, Chloe, and Jordy. Jordy brought on Chris Gallagher as a coach. When? For this next he, season coming? Last year. Oh, okay. That's how he got second place
2: last yeah, year. Or that could be argued that's. That paid off. Contributed would, to Chris Gallagher is a great example of a guy who 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 Jordy views as above him, like you know what I mean, like who he respects. Who who I'm sure that Galley can go, dude. You blew that last heat, or way to go. You you know, he can say what he feels in his heart rather than being worried about a paycheck. Well, interestingly, Galley
1: has his life and his act together in ways that Jordy maybe doesn't, and Galley doesn't have the natural ability that Jordy does. You know, well, nobody has
2: Jordy's ability, but Chris was a very. established first, competitive surfer. First, I think, Santa Cruz surfer to make the world tour. Yeah. he See, he was yeah. on the WC. I, yeah. yeah he, I, so
1: he won Margaret's, I think. So right. great surfer in his own right, but by no means a world-class talent. Like, he was at the... No, he's, of the he's a, yeah, so he's he was... he's a good
2: surfer, but yeah. again, what I'm like saying is that... 100,000 other
1: guys. But what I'm saying is the reason that he got to the level that he was at was because of the structure that he built in his life and his work ethic. That allowed him to achieve results. Whereas Jordy, got there based on raw talent and now he could use some of the structure that Gally has right. and when I say Gally has his life together what I mean is he's very concerned about diet he actually shapes surfboards yeah he's a surfboard shaper and he's a good shaper So, by like, the way we
2: say Gally like we know him I, know. <laughs> I know the guy I probably shouldn't use his nickname like he's my bro and I have him on, an, on my uh, phone here
1: yeah so and he's made he moved to Hawaii a number of years ago so like he's and he's established himself as a coach for like a lot of young up and coming yeah. pro amateur guys yeah so Jordy was smart to kind of rely on that. And it was great to see that Galley was able to benefit somebody of world-class talent, not just the pro junior guys. So I was glad to see that happen. Um, and I think that, again, he's not, like you said, not necessarily teaching any Jordy about form or technique. He's just like, here's what boards you should be writing, or here's the adjustments in the boards that you're writing that you should be making. Here's how... You can adjust your diet, and by the way, diet is something. When you're going to South Africa one week, and then Brazil the next, and then Fiji the next, like diet is a concern. You can yeah. get wrecked.
2: No, I totally agree. And so, Kelly speaks to that a lot. And and you're right. You mentioned all these things that Chris can do for him, but the biggest thing, Galley, yeah, no, no, Chris <laughs> Galley. I'm going to call him Chris. Uh, is at that level again? Is is when we've seen Jordy surf really well in heats, and this goes. This speaks to anyone. You have to be loose, relaxed, having fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, in life, if you're having fun, you're, you're doing well. Like, your day in life is going to go good if you're your feeling good about yourself. Your brain just
1: functions more efficiently that way.
2: And, the, and Kelly really sort of epitomized that with that year of letting go. When, yeah. when he was comboed by Bruce at T, in Tahiti and he came back to get two 10s. And he had said to himself, I'm just going to let go of it all and just surf and have fun. And all of a sudden, it clicked. And that's the headspace that Jordy Kolohe, and and it's this fine line, right? And uh, who's the other guy? Um, Jordy Klo- Julian. Julian. But Julian – so. Who's, his co- who's so Julian's doesn't. coach? Well, as it's his as brother, as brother, right? And his, I think yeah. that's a mistake.
1: No, so Julian, as far as I know, doesn't actually have a coach. I he think probably his does. Brother, we just don't even know. I don't think he does. I think his brother manages him.
2: Right, but that's it's also probably is. his coach. And then I, on some that's level, an not, not officially, but he's the guy that he goes, hey, man. You know, surf that bank know. instead of this bank. Or, I don't know that he does though. Yeah, like, I, think I don't he either. Manages, I don't either.
1: I think he manages like the rental car reservations and hotels and details like that. But I don't think he's giving. I think Jules is a lone wolf in that respect. Now he has this filmer that he travels with, which I think he can't. That guy can't be your coach. Maybe not. And then um, his wife or girlfriend, fiance, travels be. with him. But I'm saying he has Who like would a, be team, a good coach. For he him? has a team around him, is what I'm saying. Okay. But I don't think it's the same as a coach. Chloe and Dino. Mike Parsons is, has been his coach throughout his whole career. And so, again, Parsons is almost the, is the definition of a surf coach. Like he's the guy who kind of ushered in this era of professionalism and like really um, uh, structured competitive strategy and stuff like that. So
2: I'm wondering if at this point in career, Here's my th- Chloe maybe needs to shift. I agree. And I'll tell I, actually, I don't agree, but I will say one thing that concerns me, and I could be very, very wrong about this, because Snips is ultimately qualified. He would be the guy if if you were to say, hey, who's going to coach your son? I'd go Mike Parsons. Course, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the thing with Mike Parsons and Kolohe is that Mike Parsons is almost his uncle. There's almost a familial yeah. thing there because of Mike and Dino and Dino's relationship as kids. like. He's known him since he was born. You know what I mean? And so there might be, he might be too close to Mm -hmm. Kalohe. And again, he might not be, or that closeness might be a benefit for Kalohe. I do not know. I'm not an expert regarding what's going on there. But I could see, as you mentioned, that there could be, I'm assuming that there could be a little bit too much closeness. It might be good to bring in an outsider that's like, I don't know you from Adam, but I'm going to straighten out your mental state so that you're ready to go and and maybe parsons can do that i yeah, don't know and
1: to be honest i think that they have spent less time together in recent years like they were traveling everywhere together for a long time Well, for a
2: bit it was kind of like parsons and dino were chloe's coach and that was i think they realized that was problematic
1: they did they did i've heard chloe talk about that actually um but what another model that seems to have been successful in recent years is bringing on a coach that's specific to a location.
2: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Really? <clears throat> no. Why not? I, I mean, so really, that's about lining up. That's about landmarks and lining up and knowing the spot. I'm not against that that part of it, but I almost feel like these guys are so good. I mean, you can grab a local guy and go, "Hey, where should I line up? You know, what's give me some insight." That's That's one thing. As far as getting your mental space prepared for it, I don't think if a regional coach has anything to do with where your mental space is. See, I think it's partially
1: to do with the lineup itself, but I think it also has to do with what you just talked about with Kaloa and Snips, which is just get a fresh set of eyes on your surfing. You know, like, yes, you know this spot better, but you're also – uh, telling me something when Kelly went to Margaret river and used Mitch Thorson, like Thorson's going to that work out infuse. He got a 10 on a wave on a wave. Yes. Okay. I mean, how did he do in the event? <laughs> no, I think he made the quarters that year or no, maybe the semis. That's
2: doable. Then that's respectable. Yeah. And that would, I would suggest to you that the coach was worthwhile. But
1: it, it was the year that he got the 10. Right. Um, so what I'm saying is like, it's just a fresh coaching perspective. I think has benefit, um but maybe Belly was there as part of the team as well. You know, it's not like Kelly got rid of Belly and used Mitch instead. Maybe Mitch was
2: just an add on. I don't know, but it, it's all who's the guy that we should get for Julian Wilson? Who's a good question? Who's the guy? And I really don't know the coaching you know scene that well to be able to pick well, him apart, but one that comes to mind and this could be a total nightmare like this this could actually not work. But the guy that comes to mind is Derek Hind. Now, I don't even know if Derek gives a crap about it, you know, but he's always the guy that's writing about, like, he seems to be breaking down heats from 19... Like, he can break down the Bells event from 1967 and shit like that. Like, he seems to be yeah. pretty competitively savvy, and he was a competitive, uh, competitively savvy surfer. That's a wild card pick. That is.
1: I, I'll give you my pick is yeah. Glenn
2: Hall. Oh, okay. Well, that is a good one. Glenn yeah. Hall. Does he have the respect? Will, will Glenn, Julian listen to Glenn Hall? Will Julian go, okay, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Not I don't know what digest. their relationship
1: is, but I do know Glenn proved himself this year by coaching uh, Tyler Wright to her world title and coaching Matt Wilkinson into two wins, the first two wins of the season, and really coaching Matt to the best, obviously, the best finish of his career. If that's not a feather in your cap to take Matt Wilkinson from who we knew him to be yeah. to who he became this year, yeah. like that says
2: something. Yeah, he's definitely so, coached du jour. Like he's the coach that you would think in his, hey, in his he's first, proven in his first working. year. Yeah, he's got a world champion and, he, and the other surfer is the best result he's ever had, right? Then, is that true? Is, it is. is true. Wilkinson? Yeah. And then Laura Enover um, hired him late
1: in the season and then got her best result. I think it might have been a cloud break or something. She got her by far best result in the season with him. So. I think he's the guy right now who people should be looking at. And Julian, I mean, that, that might be the play for Julian. That seems like
2: a good call. Yeah. that seems like a really good call.
1: Yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs.
0: Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L I B S Y N Ads dot com.
2: There's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there where you're like, hmm, who would be the guy, you know? And you just you just don't know if they would work for each individual guys. It like it basically comes down to will the surfer respect the coach, yeah. you know? And obviously that needs to be understood through the vetting process of the, of the coach.
1: Well, what what I always find interesting whenever these coaching stories come up. Number one, I always just question, is surfing coachable? But the other thing is I'm always shocked at who the coach is, almost always. Like Glenn Hall, for example, I had huge question marks about him before he did what he did because it's like, well, he was the guy who constantly got bumped off tour. He was, he was the guy that shouldn't
2: even have been on tour except yeah, that he was so – Stubborn, You know, like yeah. he, he just, he, he willed himself on tour. Like, you're like really that guy's on tour. Let's be honest. He was the least, he yes. was the
1: least good surfer on exactly. tour. He was the worst surfer exactly. on tour yet. He'd beat Gabriel Medina at lower, or he made the final with Gabriel Medina at lowers of all places. You know, like he's not a high performance surfer yet. He somehow makes the final. He beat Gabriel at snapper, you know, in round three. So, He would do these things occasionally. Mentally
2: prepared, but when I look at Matt Wilkinson hiring
1: him as a coach, I'm just going, "Oh my gosh, you're throwing your buddy a bone because he got kicked off tour last year." Like that's nice of Wilco, but geez, Louise, that's a horrible decision. But then I'm surprised because I'm entirely wrong. Of course. I mean, I saw the a week before the tour started. I saw. Glenn Hall coaching an 11-year-old at Oceanside Harbor while I was surfing. You know what I mean? And I was just like, well, Glenn sure fell from grace. <laughs> were you because-
2: eavesdropping? We you like, what's he teaching? Now? I know. <laughs> I'd like to hear some of this. That, that 11-year-old was ripping. Have I'm you, like, by the way, ever surfed in a contest? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. In
1: hunting, like growing up in Orange high, County. What At
2: high school? Yeah, like teenage level. What high school did you go to? I actually Addison? went to
1: high school inland. No, oh. at
2: Lacerna. Oh, you're an inlander.
1: Yeah. So I was always out, <laughs> out of my element, like coming into like – Huntington Beach, like oh man, all these kids like live here and like surf. I never ever did well. I right. never actually got over the mental barrier of just people watching me surf. Right, it shook me. You know. Yeah. like I couldn't surf. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, coaching
2: it's an interesting thing. You know, there's there's quite a few coaches out there. Brad Gerlock it comes to mind. Sean Madison is a guy that coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you see him. I think they're. At these high school events, there's quite a few. Oh, yeah. If they're not parents, their parents are hiring coaches. Totally.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. Um, Gerlach's an interesting example. So Gerlach's big claim to fame is Connor Coffin. He's worked with Connor. Connor's pretty much whole adult life or late teen adult life. And Ger's known for style. Connor's known for style. And I think that that's one person where you could see. I don't think Ger's really coaching so much about Competitive savvy and stuff like that, strategy and savvy. I think that he was coaching Connor on technique and form in a way that Glenn Hall's not coaching Wilco. So, because you could see a lot of Gurr influence in Connor Coffin. And I think that it's benefited Connor Coffin. Like, Connor is, of course, one of the most stylish, beautiful surfers to watch. Um, So, that's an interesting example, kind of an an alternative example. Now, I'm going to. Kind of segue into a different conversation, a gossip conversation. Uh
2: oh, Connor Coffin, rumor innuendo. Connor Coffin, this is official news. Actually, is he getting married or He's something? Off Hurley. Connor Coffin's not riding for Hurley anymore. No, lifelong. Is this is breaking guy. news that you're just now that no one else knows about. No, this how? was reported a week or two ago. Okay. Uh,
1: Miguel Pupo as well is off Hurley. Is it this seems-
2: Hurley's decision or the Surfers' decisions? Don't know.
1: I really don't know. It seems like there's been quite a few Hurley guys. That contracts have come up and they've decided. Sounds like it's
2: Hurley's decision then. That Hurley said they're going to trim some, maybe trim some of the area. So Noah Beshin, which is
1: Shane Beshin's son, who actually surfs really, really well. He's probably fourteen or fifteen now. He's kind of gotten a little bit older. Yeah, um, he transitioned over to Ruka. Miggy and Connor, as far as I know, are sponsorless at the moment in terms of a main sponsor. I guess Rip Curl is trying to get Connor on board. Oh, really? So I think that'd where be you, a good. Where fit. do you
2: get all this insight? Uh, you don't
1: have to tell me, but no, 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 no. <laughs> this was all I think. Stab Stab Magazine. Oh, reported. Stab. Okay. Yeah. So I think Rip Curl would be a good fit for Connor if they're If Mick Fanning doesn't end up coming back to tour, they could use like a regular foot. Uh, World title guy or world tour guy. They've got Gabriel Medina and Wilco and potentially Owen Wright when Owen returns, but they don't have a regular footer on tour.
2: Well, is Mick Fanning coming back? We don't know yet. I heard I saw something online that that Mick's been spending the majority of his time trying to up his air game. <laughs> so I swear to God, I am not kidding you. So that he can. Good. He needs it. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Right. That makes sense. Somebody goes, dude, you know, here's the next step for you, or you're just going to, you're just going to like be the next Taylor Knox. Oh, (laughs) man, you are burning Knox. I love that guy's the greatest surfer ever. I love love surfing that guy. But I mean, we all got to admit that, like most guys in their mid 30s in the year 2005, they didn't have quite the exciting air game that the 19 year old 130 pound Brazilian kid had. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I saw that I'm not a huge fan of Taylor Knox. Oh, I am too. But if you were to say, hey, there's a guy in his mid-30s that's yeah. one of the world's best surfers, but his, there's one part of his game that's missing, it would be Mick Fanning in his air game needs to be. Totally. Same with Joel Parkinson. Parko used better. to boost, but yeah, he
1: doesn't really anymore. But yeah, you're right. Not only is he one of the best surfers in his 30s, He's a three time world champ who can't do airs. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like
2: not on the level that the, the rest of the tour is doing them. I mean, no. The, not the top like, guys. Not, yeah. The top guys are doing airs, you know? like Yeah,
1: he's not doing them on the level that, like, NSS. Like, if he does
2: an air, 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 you're like, whoa, McFanny did an air. Better and give him a, a 10.
1: <laughs> and it's a straight air. Yeah, it's a straight air. Like that, that one time, Kieran Perot did, like, a double grab and they gave him an eight. It was, like, the lamest air ever, but it was <laughs> Kieran, so you had to give him yeah, an eight, you know? Yeah. It was like Felipe could do a flip and they'll give him a five. Know, um, so it's funny. I saw that article on Beach Grit. It was a blood feud. They, Beach Grit does this recurring series called Blood Feud. Yes. Where and it's it was a blood feud. Mick Fanning versus Ayers. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't click on it. But now that you said it, I did just click on it.
2: Um, I didn't even see this on, on uh, Beach Grit. I just, I don't know where I saw it, but maybe it was Beach Who knows? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. At any rate, I don't know if it's much of an article, but it's no, a it's, funny it's, title.
2: But it is it is something that you would say, hey, if you are off tour let, let, the last year, why not work on that part of your game? Yeah. I mean, that's something that Kelly had done.
1: I mean, Kelly's a great example of somebody who could have easily just kept doing what he was doing, but yeah. he's we'll see him do airs every year that are among the best airs. Yeah. I mean the the double spin that he did in Portugal last year, this year the alley oop at uh backdoor on a lay day during the pipe event. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was, would have been the best. And New York,
2: when he won, yeah. did he win New York? Um, is, somebody won New York, he, but he did a huge, he did a huge air in New York.
1: Yeah, he made, he did the huge air in the final against Owen. Or he did a huge air
2: at Bells on, on the inside. Mick. That was a 360, right? Yeah. Against Mick. Full spin. Year.
1: Yeah. I think, so I think he had a 10 and like a nine, nine, seven. Mick had like, two nines and he was still comboed yeah make it like a nine two seven and a nine six seven that alone
2: should tell mick fanning to go learn how to do aerials yeah or just fade into the sunset as the greatest surfer fat mr white lightning speed guy it was a
1: great heat
2: to have a conversation about because mick
1: surfed bells to the way bells should be surfed and subsequently got two mid nines because of it like he surfed those waves as good as you can imagine them being surfed but then Kelly did a freaking helicopter full rotator and got a ten, and it's like I never expected to see an air done at Bell's, but he did it, and it was so radical, you had to give it a ten. Like,
2: how does an air at Bell's win the heat? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's the same as Bruce Irons at YMA and the Eddie going left and pulling into the barrel. Like, how does a left right. win you the YMA? Because it's
1: that radical. It's a, yeah, it's different. You know? right? Yeah, and that's my. So, by the way, I wanted to bring this up with the coaching conversation. I have a moral opposition to coaching in that I don't want surfers to become robots who are all following one guy's formula.
2: Why not? Why well, does that bother I, you? Because
1: I want room for what Bruce did at Waimea, And I want room for what Kelly did at ba- Bells. There will always be that. No, because if you're following what your coach said, your coach would never conceive of saying, hey, do a full rotator spin at Bells.
2: Right. But at that level, this highest of highest levels... He's not going to tell you what to do on the wave face anyway. It's it's going to be more about I want you in a free space. I want you having fun. I want you listening to music that you love. I want a song in your head. I want you to go out there and have fun. And that's the space you need to be in. Win this heat by having the most fun. Yeah, and that's going to translate into oh look at this little section. I'm going to you know because you got to be loosey goosey. You can't be tight and. I agree. all mentally constricted.
1: I agree, but you have to imagine that as coaching becomes more and more uh, on the,
2: commonplace
1: on the junior
2: level. Yeah, you're going to be like, dude, don't do an aerial. I the need broadest
1: to- base of that of the triangle is going to be those guys just designing a formula and having 20 kids show up for class and telling them all to do the same thing. And as those kids, you know, get older and matriculate or whatever. They're going to be
2: robots. Years ago, that's what it was. I mean, years ago, it was three to the beach. I mean, it's so funny. We didn't have Instagram and access to like instant edits and all of that stuff that we have now. Um, And so it was like, you know, Damien Hardman won the world title just, you know, three to the beach. It was like an NSSA contest, it was basically a high level NSSA contest. And there was no room for the free surfer to go, yeah, but look at me because there was none of this Instagram, social media, no internet at that time. So nobody had the ability to go. God, that surfing's kind of lame, you know. Like right. and nobody in the industry was going to say it. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's the best surfer ever," you know. Mm-hmm. But really, there was outside the box shit happening. Christian Fletcher, for example, oh, yeah. was going on, and, and there was and Christian Fletcher was an outlier. Like for him, for Christian Fletcher to go, "Hey, my surfing's way better than the, what these guys are doing," it was sort of like, "Okay, yeah, let's just dismiss." christian and put him in that corner over there and Mm -hmm. not pay attention to him because it would disrupt everything and of course to continue this train of thought christian won the body glove surf about i think it was whatever it was called at lowers doing crazy aerials and basically flipped everybody flipped off everybody that was like putting their head in the sand
1: and going left which was like nobody wanted to go left at lowers you know
2: probably one of the uh, definitely a you know a turning point, a tipping point. Yeah. And everyone knew it was the most radical stuff, but the surf industry elite, so to speak, didn't want to admit that, you know, yeah, they wanted to keep the same formulas going. <laughs> totally. Well, well, we've made all sorts of assumptions mm-hmm. here. One
1: more um, conver- comment about the gossip and sponsor news. Um, Target. Target had had two surfers that they sponsored for the last five or six years, Chloe Andino and Carissa Moore, and they cut both of them. Wow. Um, Target. Yeah, and I know last year in Hawaii, they didn't sponsor a house for the first time ever, so that was kind of a harbinger of what was to come. So last year, no house, and then this year, they officially, I think maybe their contracts came up, so they didn't renew them.
2: The soft goods uh, surf industry is, what's going on there? Like, if Target is getting out of the space then they're saying oh you know what we gave it a run we didn't do a whole lot it wasn't wasn't a lot of return on my investment yeah so we're going to pull out of the surf space I saw online that at the agenda show in Long Beach none of the big surf brands were there I think only one of the big brands but Rip Curl Quicksilver Hurley um, I don't know there was a few others that there were all no shows at the agenda trade show yeah which I wonder if the surf heart, uh, surf soft goods industry is sort of suffering a little bit and yeah. it's finally showing. I mean, it, that would be the last place it would show. If you can't go to a trade show and show your wares to buyers, <laughs> you're not doing very well. Yeah. Now, maybe they've chosen other trade shows. Maybe they're going to be at Surf Expo. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But I did read about it online, and the person that wrote about it online for that Shop Eat Surf website oh, yeah. was saying, you know, Things are, it's a t- it's a tough environment I think in the retail surf space right yeah now.
1: and I don't I don't really follow it too closely. I
2: don't either because it's not really doesn't really have anything to do with us yeah it doesn't um, it's not hardcore surf it's just right. it's basically the fashion industry yeah
1: <laughs> masquerading as it's, it's surf it. yeah well um, I wanted to revisit a conversation now that we're in the new year that we had midway through last year about surf podcasts our competitors. In this, we don't have competitors. Like we're in a class of our own. No, I don't
2: even mean it like that. I don't mean it like I just mean it like, look, there's room for everybody. Um, You know, the idea that I have to be better than somebody is, I don't know. You know, it's
1: that sounds like something somebody would say if they knew they weren't better than the other
2: people. I don't even listen to any of the other stuff. You know, the podcasts I listen to are, I know. know. I'm just messing with you anyways. But let me,
1: let I'm me I'm sure just- they
2: are better than ours, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> well, listeners care. Listeners listen to Yeah, well, look, it doesn't mean content. we're not trying to do great shows. It just means that I don't listen to the other stuff. And I don't, yeah. I don't think there's this idea that there's only one pizza and there's only so many slices in the pizza. There's an infinite amount of pizzas and pizza slices and you can choose your flavor and that's fine.
1: Well, I'm a big fan of uh, margarita personally. I don't think you can improve upon the margarita. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we are the margarita of, sir- no, I'm just messing around. So, but we did talk about podcasts cause, um, grind did like the top seven pot surf podcast or whatever and they really did a poor job researching that because
2: we weren't in it or no you I were in it, it. you weren't you were well well deserved. but he just used I'm it i'm not too stressed no, about it.
1: ben mundy who wrote the article just used it to promote his new podcast oh, that's that he was right. releasing oh, that was right. the whole point.
2: and then there's these, this this Aki podcast which is well, getting so a lot of play and you know why that's getting play because that's a billabong thing well, let me get into it. It. let
1: me get into it so let's revisit it because okay. at that time when we reviewed those right We took a bet and we're like, well, how many episodes do you think each of these guys is going to produce? Because you and I know the work involved and we don't want to show up a lot of the time, but we do. And we have an obligation to our listeners or we feel an obligation to our listenership. Well, I don't remember what our numbers were, but it was like
2: four or six. It was a low number on how many Aki. I guess
1: I think I guessed Aki would do ten. And Dave Prodan, who is a guest on our show, and he's the VP of communications for um, the WSL, had just launched his own podcast as well. So um, we were kind of taking guesses on both of those. So Dave, I actually listened to pretty much – I think I listen to every episode. And I'm sad to say they haven't been updated since September 30th, but they were really, really good. Yeah. And I think he did six episodes um, really good content. I hope that Dave, maybe he's just taking time off during the holidays or whatever, well, it's a but it's like time
2: a year for him. Yeah. Now, li- now he has time. I'd like to
1: see more of Dave's show. He Dave uh, has access and he has access and he had, he had like a really good structure to the show it was built like an actual radio show yeah. where there was like segments that he revisited each time. And right. Had alternating guests who like commented on board design and then, right. and then he'd have like a, a main guest that they would talk about that guest life history or whatever um aki just hit episode 10 wow good which, for him
2: which is that be what i suggest we should apologize to aki then no because- i
1: suggested he would pump out 10 because i my estimation was that it was a billabong project that and they just had to had do him do and yeah. i think i was like you know what they probably just contracted him for a certain amount to see how it goes and then they'll decide whether or not to revisit I guess ten was I think amount. I must
2: have guessed like three. I remember coming in pretty low going, Yeah. There's no way Aki's gonna do that.
1: Well, if it's but just if upon Aki to make sure that he produces the content, it won't go that long. But if Billabong's cracking the whip, then right. maybe it will. Right. But here's the thing that I like about Aki is
2: he's got great guests because oh, it's yeah. Aki. So no, they have those guys have access. There's no Ma- doubt.
1: he got Mason Ho, yeah. he had Kelly Slater, he had Mick Fanning, Rabbit Bartholomew, John John Florence, um, what are Joel the questions Parkinson's. like?
2: I haven't listened to any of them. Are they So that's the thing? Are they like cutting questions no, or it's, it's like terrible? Yeah,
1: it's see terrible. that's
2: the problem. Like why it's like you you've got this diamond and you're just not gonna cut it right. I
1: know. That was my problem too. So each like, of, what would
2: you ask Rabbit,
1: for instance? I don't put me on the spot. I well, know. yeah,
2: I mean, but like so for Rabbit, you know. I would want to know the deepest, darkest moment in Hawaii. I know he revisited it during the movie The North Shore, but anyway, there's so many great opportunities for great discussions.
1: Auk has no structure. He doesn't research. So he sits down and he starts riffing, but it's like, and it's interesting. Like, they're worth listening to because you want to hear Mason riff, but it's a really rare opportunity to get some real insight out of these people, and Aki doesn't capitalize on yeah. That opportunity. Yeah. So for each of these podcasts that I mentioned, I like them for different reasons, but none of them fully capitalize on what they could, you know? Yeah. So Aki has 10 in the, in the vault. A couple of new uh, podcasts have come up in the last six month months. One of which is called the Kyle Tierman show mm-hmm. hosted by, you know, Kyle Tierman, um, who I interviewed on my podcast and I thought it was actually a really good interview. Kyle delivered he started his show and he interviews surfers sometimes but he also interviews activists you know from all different parts of the world so for me if you haven't listened it's kind of um guest dependent like i'll listen i'll start listening to the first five or ten minutes and if the guest is good i'll continue listening i think kyle does a pretty good job i think he's Um, learning as an interviewer, as you and I probably did just kind of along the way as we go. So one episode that was really good of his was with Sean dollar, the big wave surfer. He has two Guinness world records for biggest wave surfed and injured himself really bad. Yeah. Broke his neck. Um, And he's been in recovery for a long time. So most of that conversation revolved around his injury and the recovery involved. And that was the most fascinating part was getting into the real nuts and bolts about recovery and adjusting his diet and going to all these different types of doctors and even healers. That was fascinating to me. Um, Brand new podcast that just launched recently was called the it it's called the truth barrel and it's Gabby Reese. Is one of the co-hosts? Who Laird, did it? Laird Hamilton's wife. Yeah,
2: who who who's? She's the co-host. But who's who's the producer of the show? Her and this oh, other guy, Neil Strauss. Uh, the Truth Barrel. The Truth Barrel.
1: And the reason why it's called the Truth Barrel is that they conduct the interviews in a sauna, in a barrel sauna. So <laughs> that the, sounds like it's dangerous. It's very is that dangerous.
2: Ele- electric. Can't you get electrocuted?
1: I don't know. It's very dangerous. But the the idea, the whole concept behind the show is... It's a cool concept. Her and Laird do this sauna treatment. Transition from sauna into cold water. Burn.
2: Right, cryotherapy. Yeah. And so
1: in this sauna, they found over the course of years of having friends, inviting friends into A lot it, of
2: truth comes out. A lot of truth comes out. Within is there five wine minutes involved? In there, is there like a glass of wine? No, 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 no.
1: So within the five minutes of being in there, people just start pouring out their heart because they're just like in this intense situation and so they decided like hey it'd be interesting to actually record these conversations and of course they're hanging out with luminaries right like they're in malibu they're friends with all these who's who oh yeah so the first episode was actually with greg long they did an episode with laird of course they did a recent episode with mark healy and um what I have found listening to The Truth Barrel is the audio quality is horrible because oh, really? they're recording it in a sauna. <laughs> so is it echoey. It's echoey and it's just weird sounding. And
2: they know they're being recorded, so it takes some of the truth out of the barrel. Maybe so. Maybe so.
1: And the other thing is like this guy, Neil Strauss and Gabby, aren't that great of interviewers.
2: Oh really? Do know? they do they hassle for time on the mic or something? A little bit.
1: Yeah, a little bit. And so I don't love it, but there's real potential there, and the fact that they're even having a conversation with Mark Healy, I'm gonna listen, you yeah. know, because of that. Yeah. And by the way, I have a connection with Mark, and I'm supposed to get him on the show at some point. We our schedules haven't been able to align, yeah. but I'm just realizing now if he recorded the Truth Barrel, that means he was in California recently. I should big league to, you. I know. I big league able,
2: and Healy,
1: dude. He transitioned over to Gabby Reese. By the way, their show only has 16 reviews on iTunes. Mine has 97. So wow. How many little, does mine have? Little did Mark know he went small time by going with them. He should have been over on Surf Splendor. Now you got um, me
2: thinking. I'm going to have to go see how many reviews. My, mine are all probably bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: have 47, 49. Uh, you're kidding. That's, that's, a that's a solid amount. It's a solid amount,
2: dude. Oh, shit, for. 11 years.
1: So (laughs) at at any rate, for listeners who need more content, Scott and I are producing 90 minutes of content every other week. And then I'm producing an hour on the off weeks oftentimes, but sometimes skipping those even. So if you want more content, it's out there. The Truth Barrel, The Kyle Tierman Show, Kill the Messenger, and The Ockcast, And um, there's a couple others too that you could find, but those are all ones that have been on my radar recently.
2: I got an email from Ken Kaufman who says that um, he loves the show. Thanks for keeping the podcast coming. That um, donation is coming from him shortly. His annual bonus is going to hit mid-January. Sweet. So thanks, Ken Kaufman, nice for your the love, buddy, for your donation to the show to keep it going. That's sort of a smart segue there. Appreciate Super that. Super cool. Yeah.
1: Um, so let's update listeners on the Lunata Bay situation. Yeah. There's a big event happening there this Monday.
2: What's going on at Lunata Bay? Are we going to have a picnic? The Ride Anything event. Really?
1: Yeah. Who's putting it on? Uh, Chris Taloa. Our old buddy. (laughs) Chris,
2: the guy from Hawaii? Yeah. The boogie board? Chris Wan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like he, he's been, the he's big, probably
2: stoked on this whole thing. Well,
1: he's been the big promote proponent over the years, and yeah. I interviewed him on this show. Uh,
2: yeah, and, and I think we interviewed him together, didn't we? Or, no,
1: I I think you might have previously about something else, but I did about the Lunata Bay situation. Yeah. So since then, a lot of has transpired, but they've renamed he he and his group of pe- friends have renamed Lunada Bay Aloha Point. <laughs> So there's an Aloha Point Facebook page that you can go be a part of. And as all this legal stuff has taken place and the Lunata Bay's fort has been knocked down and then the, the patio, the patio structure and then the, I've got a
0: funny story the, about the patio. The Bay
1: Boys retaliated by vandalizing all of the equipment that was being used to demo that stuff. So then the city hired you know, security guards to guard that equipment. It's been a lot of back and forth. But the structure has been torn down. And now this coming Monday, Martin Luther King Day, people have organized a ride anything event where they're bringing soft tops, knee boards, rafts, um, inner tubes, every flotation device you could imagine and going to paddle them out at – Renamed Aloha Point and uh, have a fun day, a Martin Luther King Day.
2: That's pretty gnarly. That's a pretty good story, man. That's going to be interesting. I didn't know anything about that. What Ride is your anything, story? What's the exact date on Ride Anything at Aloha Point, um, a.k.a. Lenata Bay?
1: Martin Luther King Day Luther is King
2: day. January 16th. Oh, that's in five days, this Saturday. That's what I'm saying. There could be waves. Let's hope. Um, is that the Saturday, the sixteenth? Today's the eleventh. It's Wednesday. No, that's
1: Saturday the sixteenth. I just looked at okay, the yeah. calendar.
2: Um, oh, I just heard through the grapevine that that one of the local guys down there had a picture um, of the patio painted, um, and they took the they took the artist's rendition and put it on a T-shirt and sold it at the and is selling it at the little the little arts commercial retail area in in Palos Verdes oh, really? like you know just like there's a coffee shop and yeah. like a yoga studio and this guy sells knickknacks and one of the knickknacks is this t-shirt and it says something like save the patio or remember the patio That's or something funny. like that and another one of his buddies who's like a hard, another they're both hardcore lunata guys another one of his buddies is all butthurt at the guy he's like you're selling out the patio and there's like a feud within the crew Based on that's how myopic and immature yeah. these guys are.
1: It's Bay Boy on Bayboy Boy, Bayboy
2: on Bayboy, Boy, butthurt Bay Boy on butthurt Bay Boy about <laughs> the most silliest little t-shirt where they're maybe selling four of them, you know. B H B B. And the whole thing, is, the whole thing is you sold out the patio. You're a dick for selling out the patio. <laughs> Amazing, isn't that crazy?
1: The other bit of gossip that I have in regard to that was just that like one. Of, I don't even know the guys' names who are involved or allegedly Bay Boys or whatever, but kind of one of the main troublemakers who is responsible for some of the violence and vandalism of visitors, cars and stuff like that. He's basically been booted out by the other quote unquote Bay boys where they were just like, dude, like we want to protect this spot, but we're not really down with the violence. So, and now we're getting a lot of heat from government and like the local authorities, like you're not allowed to surf here anymore. So, you know, there's been a wow. division among the Bay Boys themselves. I think we've given that topic way too much conversation over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives the credit? Let's move on. Let's move on. Um,
0: I've got some must see moments. Yeah.
1: Well, I've got a specific must see moment, but I have one that barely didn't make the cut, yeah. which is on Stab magazine. It's called Bouncing. It's a feature on Brendan Gibbons. So do you remember Stab did the Stab in the Dark with Dane Reynolds? Yeah. Where they had 30 different or 20 different surfboards, maybe 12. I don't know. I don't know the number. (laughs) They had a bunch of different surfboards that Dane rode to try to – anonymously shaped surfboards to try to figure out which one was the best shortboard. Yeah. Uh, Well, Dane wasn't the only surfer on that trip. There was another surfer on that trip that didn't make the cut for the final edit, just didn't fit the narrative and the storyline. But they just released an edit of that surfer writing those boards that Dane was writing. And uh, Brendan Gibbons is his name. He's a South African surfer from Cape Town. But I spent a month with Brendan a couple of years ago when he was here with Quicksilver. He used to be on Quicksilver. He's on Vistla now. But I spent a month with him and we you know, drove around surfing um, and eating all our meals together and stuff like, and we actually went to Costa Rica together as well. So I knew Brendan for a period of time. I haven't talked to him since, but I've always followed his career because of our time together. And I've always felt like the kid shreds. Dude, this video is unreal. Like he surfs so good. So this video bouncing on stab, I'll have a link to it on surf splendor podcast. He's a guy who's not, he's not a huge self promoter. He's actually really reserved And I think that has been a detriment to his career. Like he's highly regarded and obviously he's hanging out with Dane Reynolds, but he's just not fully promoting himself, but his level of surfing is far beyond guys who get a lot more acclaim than, than he gets. So this video I think was really well done. And I was glad to see that his surfing is the best that it's ever been. Does huge alley-oops that he lands perfectly buttery or or like corrupt flips, actually the alley-oop rotation, but hold grabbing double rail. Um, But the, the grab is actually opposite rails than you would normally grab for a double, double rail grab. And then he does those club sandwich turns that we've seen Dane do and Josh Kerr and a couple other guys. And he does them so fast and so inverted. It's really, really, it's like a one motion. It's really impressive. So Bouncing by uh, Brendan Gibbons this is my first video recommendation of the week. What do you got?
2: Well, I've got one. Um, it's on Surfline right now. It's also on boardroomshow.com. I put it up yesterday. And it's uh, Levi Slosson, 13-year-old Grom. And I put it up. 'Cause the kid rips. Yeah. But he's also a good friend of mine and um, and his brother and his dad and his whole family and his whole crew. I've been I've been seeing Levi, you know, for years now, and um, he's really starting to come into his own and and he like I said, he he mobs up with a crew of guys that's all surf seaside. Um, his brother Noah, Slauson, Micah and Caleb Crozier, Kobe Gilchrist and I just put it up there. It's super cool. It's kind of a cool song, too. Is it all in San Diego? No, there's some Mexico. Okay. And I think there's... It looks like there's one or two um, on the South Shore of Hawaii, but... Okay. Uh, it's pretty cool. Levi Slauson, 13-year-old Grom. That's, and then my other musty moment is Yadin Nickel in Morocco. I didn't watch which it. Which Channel Islands put out on Instagram. It's sick. Is it? Yeah. Yadin's, Yadin's one of those guys that I would love to see back on tour. Yes. And I think he's worthy. I mean, look at what he did at Pipe. Those years where he probably should have beat Kelly in a couple of heats, or whoever Parko. or there was a Mick Fanning. There was a heat with versus Mick Fanning in, in the semis, the semis yeah. that everyone thought Yaden should have got the nine eight, and they gave him a nine six or something. It was he bullshit. got he got the steep and
1: deep one, whereas Mick got the roll in off third. Race. That's
2: right at the very end. Yeah, yeah that was an interesting. Well, and, look, Mick kind of winning that heat won, won the world, world title, title. Yeah. yeah. Yaden Nickel, when he's you know he's free surfing in Morocco, these beautiful right points, and uh, it's pretty cool. I've been to Morocco, so it brought back some fun memories. And if you haven't been to Morocco, no, I haven't. You need to go to Morocco if you're a regular foot surfer or you just love going right. You need to go to Morocco. Okay, and this has been be- a hell of a good season in Morocco. The Atlantic's been firing all these swells at Mundaka, all this shit that's been happening. All that stuff ends up down at, at Morocco. So. Okay, well maybe I'll. Uh...
1: Maybe that'll be next on my list. I'm actually going to Cuba next month. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. They opened it up for Americans, obviously, to yeah. travel there. Um, and so I mentioned that just for any listeners who have been or who have any insight at all, email me. The website is surfsplendorpodcast.com, but you can email me
2: hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. Cuba. Yeah. When are you going to Cuba? Next month. Oh, yeah. I think right now it's good. I, I think it takes North Swells, right? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about the surf scene there. I'm going just to like get drunk, get the Cuban culture before it gets diluted by Cuban American culture. tourism. You know, like I want yeah, the pure want the real... shot of Cuba, dude. I what don't does want... that
2: mean? Does that mean Havana Club rum and yeah, cigars? Like I'm, I personally driving I mean, around in like lowrider 1957 Chevy. Low that's riders. more what it
1: is. Yeah, like I don't really, I'm not like into rum or cigars, but I will participate while right. I'm there. But that's not the reason you're going to play I'm
2: dominoes there. in an yes. alley and drink. Yeah, rum and smoke cigars and read Hemingway and probably like chirp at hot chicks walking by or something yeah, like exactly. that's so wrong. That's the, that's
1: <laughs> the entire objective
2: of the trip. Wow! But no, the you idea can do that in Compton, <laughs> the idea is though to again
1: get ahead of the Cuban culture before it gets diluted with a bunch of right. imports and tourism and stuff like that. So right, right. any listeners who have any Cuba insight, hook a brother up. What does it cost to fly to Cuba? So cheap, dude. Like two fifty round trip. for Three twenty. Uh, round trip, stops sh- in Miami. No stop. No stop. Non stop. That's killer. Direct flight from LAX three twenty, and hotel. On who? Like, I'm
2: like American, or you know, Alaska. Oh, really? Yeah, my brother flies for Alaska. Oh, really? I'm going. Buddy pass you, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and Airbnbs are like under fifty bucks. Like it's crazy what cheap. A, what a trip! So why wouldn't you go? You know what I mean? So
2: rate, anyway, poverty,
1: perhaps? I don't know. So you don't travel to impoverished no, countries? I'm you just mentioned Morocco. I'm You've I'm been just, to Mexico. Probably. Morocco's rich. Well, the history is rich. Um, king, dude. It's a kingdom. Well, so There's my musty moment, back yeah. to mussy moments, is yeah. Yeah. Northern Praying Mantis. Have you seen that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Classic title from none other than our, our friend Mason Ho. <laughs> Mason Ho just dropped a brand new edit. Is this where
2: he wipes out a, on the reef at Rockpile? Yeah, that's every edit.
1: Yeah, his, it kind of but, is. Huh? Uh, yeah, this is almost exclusively novelty waves, and it's so rad. Some of it's Rockpile. Um, some of it's just these weird backwash waves where he'll like take off on the outgoing wave and then surf into the incoming wave, um, jumping off rocks into like doing acid drops onto waves. A lot of really really fun looking cool stuff, but then they also show the couple of big days at Pipeline that they had right around Christmas time, um, with him getting unbelievable barrels at Pipe, and then also Michael Ho gets a couple of super sick ones, Coco gets a couple, so really great edit. We always love Mason Ho's edits, but this one's great. Uh, Northern praying mantis is the name
2: of it. Um, you know, for the sake of the listeners, last time I I read that soliloquy on. Me cutting off hipster gram icon, hipster gram icon, who's just a pseudonym for a name of a guy that that uh, I dropped in on, and so you and I were talking before the show, but I wanted to tell listeners. So a friend of mine paddled up to me yesterday, and we're like, "Hey, how's it going?" He's like, "Hey, hey, how's it going?" And he goes, "Hey, I saw hipster gram icon yesterday at the Agenda Trade Show," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, really? Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, we were talking," and and I said, "Where you been surfing?" And he goes. He goes, Scott Bass cut me off. <laughs> and I just started laughing. And But more importantly, he's, as I mentioned in the last show, he's got video of the wave where I dropped in on him. And he told my friend, he goes, yeah, and I'm holding on to it, and I'm going to use it against him when he least expects it. So he's holding on to this footage to somehow besmirch my reputation.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to see it, dude. <laughs> so um, – Without revealing too much, this is an icon on Instagram, a right. quote-unquote icon. Like It's a guy who has a lot of followers, who does post videos of himself surfing on Instagram. Yes. And so listeners might actually know who this guy is, and we're just waiting to see that video. That video will appear at some point.
2: Yes, at some point it's going to appear. But And I don't want – again, he's a friend of mine. I consider him a friend, so I didn't want to uh, reveal his name. So Even
1: I, though you're the bad guy in this scenario.
2: Well, I've certainly acknowledged that what I did wasn't correct. Yeah. Bad guy by your
1: own estimation, right? Yeah, you're the one taking.
2: Understanding fall. that there was some precursor to you burning him, which was
1: <laughs> him burning you, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, but the video. Video. I wonder if he has video of him burning you, too. And he's just not going to reveal that. It's on the cutting room floor. He'll only post the video of you burning him. Um, So I have a Duke and a kook. Okay. I'm going to lead with the kook. Yes.
2: We'll end on the
1: high note. So my kook is a real tentative kook. I'm not fully committed to it. Yeah. But I want to just throw this. This is going to get you in trouble. I can tell. Well, I want to throw it out there in advance so we can revisit it over the course of time. The hydrofoil boards. Yes. It's really suspect to me. Yes. Like when Laird Hamilton's developing it, okay, you're out in the middle of nowhere on Maui. Like, I get it. Yes. Kai Lenny starts doing it. It's like, okay, cool. That works. Yes. Because he's Kai Lenny. Now I'm starting to see no-name Joe Blow guys going 30 miles an hour with this blade, this steel blade, cutting through the water. Yes. Yes. In crowded lineups, doing cutbacks around guys, dodging guys. Where other in Huntington? Guys. No, no. I actually haven't seen it in person, but I've started to see videos online.
2: Oh, because I posted one on my Instagram of that's Dave right. Kalama. That's is that exactly where you saw right.
1: it. That was one of them that right. I saw.
2: I'm going to give Dave Kalama a pass. I'm Kalama gonna, gets a pass. Yeah, but but there's a guy at Cardiff that's doing it. Is he? Yeah, his name's Chuck. He's a good friend of mine. He's in a, a really crowded good serve. lineup. Yeah. He's a good surfer. He's actually, I think he's like Laird's nephew or something. Mm. Like he's, he's related to Laird somehow. Mm. And he was over there on Maui with those guys doing it. And he brought one back and I saw him doing it the other day in the crowded lineup. And somebody on Facebook, another friend of his said, Hey, that's cool and all that, but please don't do that around us. Like go down the beach somewhere and do it. So that's
1: my thought. I hate to like, I'm not going to shame all stand up paddlers or all bodyboarders or everybody who does something other than what I do. Like. I'm okay with it, and there's a place for it. Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? Well, I heard, this is all just through rumor, but I heard that somebody, a swimmer, got decapitated in Mm. France. Really? Yeah. A guy who was just swimming, a swimmer. Yeah. And one of those guys was burning, again, 30 miles an hour through the lineup with this steel blade, fully decapitated because the thing is sharp. Cut
2: his head off. Cut his head off. That's got to be online somewhere. We got to Google that. That's something that you would see online. Like that's pretty big news.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So, but uh, by the way, maybe it it didn't happen. Maybe it's just, (laughs) maybe it's an urban legend. Right. But you have to realize that the physics are there. Like that can happen easily. Oh yeah. The speed that that thing's going and the sharpness of it will cut through flesh, no problem. So it's only a matter of time between uh, until something like that happens so they're not an outright kook yet but i do want uh them to exercise some judgment you discretion know? discretion like don't surf cardiff with the thing dude like yeah. go surf down the beach where there's nobody out and by the way it looks super fun like i actually want to do it i just i <laughs> wouldn't i just, yeah. just want to go do it at crowded huntington you know
2: <laughs> yeah
1: so um Let's keep an eye on that, Scott. We'll revisit them in the kook section in coming weeks or months or years. My Duke, Keppa Acero. Yes. Have you seen what's happened with him? No, what's happened with Keppa? He narrowly escaped death at Mundaka. He had a shallow oh, water wipeout. Oh, I did wipeout. see this.
2: I did see this, yeah.
1: Shallow water wipeout broke his neck. Thankfully, it didn't sever his spinal cord, and he was able to be rescued by um, surfers who were in the lineup who fashioned a raft out of multiple surfboards and got him out of the impact zone, got him into the beach, but he was in, like, really devastating pain. And when he was underwater, he was actually aware that he had broken his neck. Oh, my God. And um, couldn't feel his hands, couldn't feel his legs, thought that he actually wouldn't even resurface. But thankfully, and he actually doesn't remember anything else, but ultimately he resurfaced his buddies fashioned a raft got him out of the impact zone got him to the beach which is where he remembers coming to consciousness again and then he had a horrifically painful miserable uh couple of hours until he made it to the hospital and again thankfully the spinal cord was not damaged so he's able to regain feeling in his body um and be able to move his arms and his legs he's making a full recovery in the hospital um Horrific, horrific wipeout, though. Shall- shallow water slammed his neck into the sand. So,
2: cool, man. So he's the Duke because he is a Duke.
1: Not because of the injury. The injury reminds me that he's a Duke. He's a Duke because I don't know if people remember his story, but he became famous by publishing YouTube videos of himself traveling from Spain to like South Africa or to Morocco by himself and then he would just set up the camera on a tripod on the beach not zoomed in or anything it was just <laughs> panned out wide angle and you'd see these peeling left point break waves going endlessly and then you'd see him the only guy in the lineup dropping in on a left getting barreled all the way down the line and then coming out you know and it'd then be 10 minutes of uh no waves being (laughs) surfed, and then him getting another one. And he would edit it down into a little bit more manageable footage than that. But he was traveling to these far-flung destinations by himself, self-funded, no sponsor. And then because of that, you know, just him being this uh, nomadic wanderer, patagonia or actually i think reef was the first one that got on board with him because that's part of their brand identity is just passing through (laughs) yeah and um they just started funding him they're like dude we love what you're doing and we just want to support you so he's now on patagonia i think but um really rad good surfer who's just living the dream of traveling on low budget and making it happen so that's why keppa acero is my duke of the week and we're shouting out to him and um wishing all the best with his recovery
2: cool man keppa get you know mundaka's been insane and keppa i hope you, you get better soon um yeah mundaka's been i put some video of mundaka up on my site boardroomshow.com and since then new footage has come out but like the, the week of christmas was insane in mundaka and there's some new stuff out from that session i think where keppa got hurt Oh, okay and uh there's plenty of cool mundaka footage recent stuff which is kind of cool because for a while there, they were like oh the sand's gone it's ruined blah 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 and sure enough guess what things changed it's called climate change have you surfed Moondaka? no Yeah, never been there I've been to the
1: Basque um, San Sebastian and all that but I've never surfed Moondaka
2: well speaking of that there's um, you know the boardroom show we're honoring Al Merrick this year and there's going to be 10 shapers that are competing in the icons of foam shaping competition to honor Al Merrick and one of them we're reaching out Internationally, and one of them is Johnny. Um, gosh, I'm going to mispronounce his Cabianca? name. Cabianca? Yes, Cabianca. And is it he,
1: La Cabianca or just Cabianca?
2: I don't know. I emailed him as Johnny Cabianca. Okay, got it. And, um, of course, we'd love for him to be one of the shapers, but he lives in the Basque country mm-hmm. and he's a Brazilian guy. Shapes Gabriel Medina's boards. Oh, okay. Well, look, we reached out to him and he got back to me. He's like, yeah, I'm thinking I'd love to do it. Let me just check my schedule. So he's going to get back to me. And then we reached out to uh, Neil Purchase Jr. And um, we're going to have the youngest shaper ever in the competition, Zach Flores, who's 16 years old, maybe 17 years old. And he's going to be – although Taz was pretty young when Taz did it, that kid from Canary Islands. I wonder how – anyway – uh zach flores is going to be shaping and he's 17 years old so and of course we've reached out to some others um uh, and i'll just wait until i hear back from them before i bring that up but yeah pretty excited that we've got a cool international field of shapers that are they're that looking at doing it along with um some domestic regional guys yeah. as well
1: yeah, and exciting to be honoring Al Merrick, too. Oh, yeah. It's a super good get, man.
2: St- oh, we're super stoked. Yeah, Al's going to be there judging and a big part of the show, and and it's going to be good. Super cool.
1: Yeah, man. Right on, Scott. Well, hey, nice to reconnect how, with you. How the do buddy. they get a
2: hold of you? Well, listeners, on what about surf- donations? Don't we want to pimp the need for donations because yeah. we need those? Yeah. What's going on
1: with Patreon? Patreon? Anything? We haven't launched it, but so the donation platform um, is on you can find it on surfsplendorpodcast.com or on boardroomshow.com and we've encouraged people to just sign up for a $5 recurring monthly donation which a lot of people actually have and when we get um, a certain number of those we're going to commit to doing uh, a show every week rather than every other week so we're yeah. slowly working our way towards that and um, it just needs it's a financial commitment for Scott and I to continue producing this show it's 45 minute drive for each of us We meet in the middle, Scott's in San Diego, I'm in Huntington Beach, and then of course it takes time out of our actual work day. And then there's just actual hard costs involved in terms of server and all that sort of stuff. So we've been doing it, we've been funding it ourselves for a long time now, a number of years, Scott for 10 years, me for three years, and so it's been nice to actually get a little bit of revenue coming in to recoup some of those costs and to invest in the future of the show. So you can find that link to donate on surfsplendorpodcast.com or boardroomshow.com. And then you can also email me, David, at hello at surfsplenderpodcast.com, Or just leave a comment in the comments section on the website. And then on social media, at surfsplendor, if you want to see what the chop hop looks like.
2: <laughs> and you can email me, surftalksandiego, at gmail.com. surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And, of course, we have Instagram, boardroomshow.com. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, boardroom surf.
1: You make it so confusing for the people, and, uh,
2: It's tough. Boardroom, boardroom, boardroom. Yeah. And then the boardroomshow.com website. You can get a bunch of cool stuff there. Videos, blogs, information about the show, and a uh, whole lot more. Awesome. And, Until-
1: again, thanks for um, to the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center for letting us use their studio. They've been a great partner for the show.
2: Yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. Until then, adios and aloha. Going where
0: well, the weather suits my clothes Banking off of the northeast winds Sailing on summer breeze Skipping over the ocean like a stone.
1: As you know, SurfSplendorPodcast.com is the website. Again, you can leave a comment about today's show. Give us feedback. We like to always say that this conversation isn't just between Scott and I. It's actually between everybody. So give us your feedback. And then you can follow us at social, on social media at SurfSplendor. As you are probably well aware of that detail as well. All right. Hope that you enjoyed this show. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Surf Splendor. Until then, this is David Scales reminding you, get out in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and shred on, my friend. Shred
0: on. Everybody's talking at me Can't hear a word they say. Only the echoes of my mind, I won't let you leave my love behind, I won't let you leave.